Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoy today's featured message. Hi, it's Mike with the Portage County Safety Council. I'm here with Jennifer Parmenter from Family and Community Services. Welcome to the podcast, Jennifer. Hi, how are you? Fantastic. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do at Family and Community Services? Yes. So I am the clinical counseling supervisor over at the counseling department that we have over here in Kent. So I supervise clinicians and case managers. We do some outpatient work. We have some home-based services. We also have a drug and alcohol program, which is supervised by another Jennifer. But we are really a very integrated service where you can come and get all of your mental health needs met and substance use as well. We're very trauma-informed. We can cover a wide variety of needs for folks. That's awesome. So thanks for joining us, Jennifer. We're in the middle of a pandemic as everybody knows, right? Unless you're living in a cave, yeah. you probably even know in the cave. This is our generation's World War One, World War Two, Spanish flu, whatever you want to relate it to. But this is something none of us have ever lived through in our lifetime. And so with that comes a lot of stress, comes a lot of uncertainty that, that may stir up fear. And there's a lot of people trying to navigate through all the information. And so you're hearing news stories and, you know, social media things going on. And it just caused a lot of panic and confusion out there for a lot of people. So... What are you seeing out from your perspective working in this field of mental health? Well, I think when you think about a couple of things that probably most people are familiar or have heard in this field particularly is, you know, in parts of your brain, you think about when you get anxious, you know, or when you get worried or something traumatic has happened, we can go into this fight, flight or freeze part of our brain. And I think right now what we're facing is something that we're very uncertain about. And so it releases those hormones, you know, the adrenaline Kind of like when you're in the woods and there's a bear, right? Right. (laughs) You're going to get away from the bear or you're going to freeze or you're going to fight the bear. So right now we have this virus and we're in this fight or uh, freeze part of our brain. And it's uncertain. We don't know when it's going to end. And that's super scary for people. You know, it's what are we going to do? So you're going to see an increase in anxiety or increase in depression or, you know, how we're going to take care of ourselves or our loved ones. And so I think we're in this survival part of our brains and it's hard to operate, you know, clearly. When that's the part of the brain that you're in. Yeah, I've even caught myself, you know, working for the agency, being in social services for over eight years now and doing social work beyond that. Going through the process, I see myself going through the stages of grief, even though Mm -hmm. I first haven't. I have not lost my job. I just now found a cousin that tested positive for COVID-19, but until the, until yesterday, she's doing good. She's nursing good. a nursing home and going through that, but she's feeling pretty good. She's not dealing with any severe symptoms. So we're just believing that's going to be well for her all the way through. And going through this just the last couple of months and really since March hit is really when I think it really hit most of us is I remember back in February going through, there was just some denial and there's a lot of people I talked to at work, outside of work and just different things. And everyone was kind of like, there's something funny about this. There's just something not right. And I realized, man, we're in that denial stage, aren't we? Right, right, right. You, you right. know, and then we go through and then I'm seeing people and I'm following the governor and the president and I'm going through trying to see, follow the CDC and get the information. And then I go on Twitter, which is probably a big mistake, but it's easy. That might to be, f- that might be. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a love-hate thing with social media, but. I clicked on, you know, and sometimes it's just curiosity. It gets the best of me. And I'll I'll click on the governor's feed and just see comments. And I didn't realize because of my personal life, there's a lot of people that are just, you know, it's okay. We'll get through it. It, You know, they're not, they're not being passive. They're just being, you know, we've go through tough stuff all the time. This is something a little tougher than normal, but I'm going through there and I'm seeing people like just they're in despair and they're angry. And I'm like, they're in the anger stage. 
Right. And then I see other people who saying it's calm. And then as it goes down, they're okay with school shutting down, you know, initially. And they're okay with like sports shutting down. But then they close the bars. <laughs> and they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And they start hitting that bargaining right. stage. And for me, it was the gym. I don't really go to bars. So like for me, right. that's, they took my gym away. I'm like, that's one of the main things I did to handle stress. And you took yeah. that away from me. Right. Like, what right. are you doing? And then it's like, okay, don't take my gym. Okay, you got the gym, but leave the parks open. And now there's, mm-hmm. you know contention with that because they're afraid some people aren't social distancing at the public parks and they're, you know, the public parks are going out. Please don't shut them up. So I see myself in all these stages at different times. I'm like, keep your hands off my parks. And then I'm in a bargain. Okay. You can take this and that. And then there's the fourth stage depression that people go into where they're hopeless. Right. And then we all need to get to that five, that acceptance stage that said, Hey, we don't need to get caught up in conspiracy theory. This thing is real. Yeah. No one really knows exactly what's going on, but they're doing their best to sort through this. Let's listen to those people in charge and start to navigate our way through this in a healthy way. Are you seeing this too with the stages of grief? Yes, I agree with you. And as you know, the stages of grief, it's uh you can come and go through some of those, right? You can, you can, yeah, they're not linear. They're not linear. Yeah, right. right. You can find yourself. Okay. Maybe. And then you think, maybe not, maybe that bar is going to open back (laughs) up. (laughs) or the gym yeah you're yeah i absolutely agree i think it is through stages and i think the hard part i was thinking about this you know with trauma in general and i think it's the same with families or individuals is that sometimes you have one traumatic experience like a tragic car accident or you think about 9-11 it was a date right and we all remember that date and obviously there's a lot of bad things that have happened as a result but you think about right now like it's continuing you know and so I don't know, will we be able to put a date on this, you know, right, because there's, right. not, there's not an end time yet. And that goes into what we talked about before we started recording regarding collective trauma. We had a collective trauma as a nation at 9-11, but yes. it was a short event. It was a one day event. There was some impact, you know, flights right. were shut Absolutely. down and, and some Absolutely. different things. And this right. thing is a little more as we flatten a right. curve, it, you know, it's just a little more drawn out. Right. We don't really right. know how long it's going to go for. But there is a collective trauma. And so what I'm seeing is there's a huge part of this collective trauma in regards to a lot of people I knew for a long time weren't laid off yet or they didn't know anyone. You know, one time I seen posts going around social media. Does anyone on here know anyone with COVID-19? And no one did. And now that's that's starting to change now. But there was still this collective trauma and this crisis response. And a lot of people, even though they firsthand didn't experience that. Can you explain how that works a little bit and how we can start to navigate through that? And how can we separate ourselves from that to make sure we're just not going down the swirl, so to speak? What can we do to kind of calm down that collective trauma that we may be becoming a part of to make sure we don't get caught up in some of the hysteria and things going on out there? In the negative sense, you know, there's a collective response that, you know, we have hope and we can get through this together. Mm -hmm. And as those are the mottos and sayings going around. But how can we make sure we don't get caught up in the hysteria that's going around in our culture and media right now? Right. Because obviously what we're experiencing is very serious. It's it's very serious. We want to take it seriously. But I think we want to make sure that we're getting factual information from the experts in the area and that we're listening to credible sources and we're not getting our information from Facebook, Twitter or I don't know about all those TikTok things. You know, I'm trying my hand at TikTok, Matt. But <laughs> I don't even know what TikTok is. I've heard people oh, mention get, it. Matt, you got to try it, man. You get on you like do a little dance or something. But I'm a singer. Oh. So anyway, you know that you're getting your information from the, the people who are the experts. You know, that's what you're sharing with others and that you respond accordingly. And then I think when those it's like with anything with 
any of those who experience anxiety, you know, I myself have had that struggle in the past and tried to get more of a handle on it as I've gotten older. It's that when those other thoughts that aren't factual, those unhealthy, inaccurate, unhealthy thoughts, you know, try to sneak in there at night, you know, or in bed when, you know, you're trying to get that good night's sleep, that's important to stay healthy, that you come back at it, you fight back at it with the what is accurate, what's healthy, what's right, what am I being told, this is what I need to do. And there are only so many things within our control. And it's not who's at Walmart for what reason. And it's, you know, obviously, if you're at Walmart, you're seeing who else is there, right? So who are you to judge? So, you know, get what you need to do at the store, get what you need and just be in charge of you, do what you need to do for you, your family. And and really, that is all that is within your control right now. And that's a lot, though. You know, if every person did that, think about that. <laughs> we just, you know, do what we could do for ourselves and the people that our loved ones in our home. The other side of collective trauma is collective healing. Isn't that powerful? We obviously know when people go through trauma, responses are different, right? We have people who, you know, you think of survivors of um, different, you know, just different things, traumatic experiences. And you have people that go and give speeches, right? And they reach out and they, they do these great things with their trauma and others who maybe stay victim for a very, very long time and stay in suffering. And not that you ever forget the trauma. And we won't forget this, right? None of us will. But right. We can do some things. And I, I was thinking about what, what's one of those things that might be happening. I'm sure there's tons of things out there. You see tons of good things that are really happening right now, too. You know, the masks that people are making, you know, the different groups that are forming to make masks for the people in the medical field. And I think that's one of the ways that people are trying to collectively heal and do something that's important and they feel valuable, you know, that they're doing something valuable for others. We shouldn't forget that we can do that with each other and for each other right now. What a powerful way to say it. I mean, collective healing should be our motto yep. right now. Even though we're still in the middle of the crisis, yes, we need yep. to handle it. But how can we come together and yep. experience collective healing? That's powerful. Thank you very much. In regards to that, because a lot of people may not be familiar with these terms, you know, we talked about vicarious trauma or secondary trauma for someone that's not familiar with what that is. And typically... The way that's communicated is with first responders, you know, fire, police, EMT, counselors like yourself, these different things, but it really impacts all of us, doesn't it? How does this vicarious or secondary trauma impact us? So if I haven't lost my job or, you know, if I don't have someone with COVID-19 or just other stress of life, but I still could be feeling the tension with that. How does that affect us? Well, I think you can have very similar responses that somebody who's actually experiencing the trauma firsthand can have. And so it's just important to recognize what those are. You, you could have them, you know, physical responses like, you know, having a difficult time sleeping, your eating patterns might change. You know, you can have emotional responses or, you know, feel like your mind is just racing More anxiety symptoms if you're more prone to that or more depressive symptoms. So it's really the experiencing of someone else's trauma through yourself. So you can get burnout. <laughs> you can get, you know, when we use those words for professionals. You know, first responders, mental health professionals, you know, definitely can get burnout and not be able to do your work passionately. Jennifer, you said something real powerful there. You mentioned the term compassion fatigue. Yes. That's a powerful thing. And a lot of our members, we have our nursing homes or home care uh, mm-hmm. facility. You know, they come out and do home visits and different things in the medical field, even schools and different things. And it's easy to get caught up in that emotion of like taking care of other people. And, yes. and if you don't take care of yourself in that, it's... Right. It's real easy to get in compassion feet. I know I've experienced it working in social services myself where I just had to stop. Then I had to take a time out and let me just get my thoughts together and just take a deep breath and start to take care of myself better outside of work. So I didn't treat people different. And so that takes us to self-care. 
Yeah. There's some things we could do to keep us out of this effects of vicarious trauma and secondary trauma and compassion fatigue and everything that's related to that. What are some things we could do to start taking care of ourselves now? You know, as a supervisor, as somebody who's been in the field for 25 years plus, do you think that you need to seek out your own counseling in any way? I think that that part of, you know, not having this stigma about mental health, that we need to be able to reach out ourselves. And sometimes maybe even, you know, if you're doing a lot of work in the field and it becomes very stressful for you, you need to be able to, to go into counseling as well. And that's not bad. You know, that's not bad. And, and we shouldn't be in a field that we're providing treatment for others if we're not willing to go into treatment ourselves if it's needed. And not everybody needs to be in counseling, I'm not saying, but if there are things that unresolved issues for you that you're noticing for whatever reason, maybe it's right now with the COVID, you know, maybe there are things that come up now that you are bringing to your attention or you are fatigued, you know, sometimes, you know, there are triggers. I know um, in my own personal life, there may be things that have come up from my path at different stages. So I think we always have to be mindful of, are we operating at our best? And if there are things that come up, we need to be willing to go into treatment if needed. So that is one thing. Also, like during the COVID, I was thinking about this. We're operating with three people in this office right now. All of our clinicians are doing telehealth, but it's me and two secretaries. Some times right now, I think we're probably seeing more of each other than some of us are seeing of our families. And so I think being supportive of each other, if you are coming into an office and asking each other how you're doing and being very genuine and sincere with each other, providing that good support. Also, I think, you know, we have ways to stay connected, even though, you know, we're doing social distancing, you know, reaching out through the technology that, you know, we do have, staying in touch with others. And then whatever else you used to do, I am not a painter, but I have come to taking to this canvas painting, just making stripes on canvas mat. <laughs> so I don't know, you know, reading, getting outside, taking the walks, you know, the music, uh, certain smells, you know, whatever it is that you do that helps you to feel calm and find that peace. You know, there's a lot of mindfulness exercises you can do. You can find those online. There's a lot of good mindfulness exercises you can find online. Now, I have looked for different people, and some of them have those voices you don't, you know, will say, follow me. And you don't want to follow that anyway, right? Yeah, it's kind of like Lord <laughs> of the Rings. My precious. We definitely yeah, don't want apps. We definitely you. don't want apps like that. I See, I, I like some of that stuff, but some of it's too distracting. I just like soft music to get me through there. But yeah, I, I like what you're saying, though, it, Jennifer. It's awesome. I've been telling people in trumpeting, social distancing does not mean social disconnection. Right. FaceTime people. I'm actually seeing some people start to use social media for good things instead of complaining about everything in life. And uh, people are talking about Zoom and different things. We have these podcasts. I know our veterans program, you mentioned painting. And our veterans program, we have these expressive therapy groups that they come through. And what what they do there is, you know, like maybe on Monday they'll paint. And these guys are, these are men's men. They served our country. They've, many of them have been in combat. Not every one of them. And to get some of these veterans down and say, hey, we're going to paint. And my initial response is, are you joking? These guys are going to eat you up. These are men's right. men. And these guys love it. And they love it. Yeah. And they bring someone in. They do music therapy. They, they'll they mm-hmm. write poetry together. Yeah. And, and yeah. maybe not everyone likes every single thing of it. But at first, they may grumble a little bit. But then they get in there. And you're like, no, I'm actually learning through poetry how to express my emotions a little right. bit in a healthy yeah. way. And yeah. so there's a lot of things. I have some friends they're actually younger. They're in their mid twenties and they're obsessed with Bob Ross. I just oh, think yeah? that's the coolest thing They're They didn't yes. even grow up with it. Like I did, you know what I mean? Right, and going right. through the thing and they're turning Bob Ross on and we're going to have Bob Ross time with the family. Now that we're all home yes. together. And so yes. there's a lot of different things. So maybe you can't go to the gym, but maybe you could take a walk outside. Yes. Um, 
Learn something. Yes. Right. We did a podcast with Leslie Keegan. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She gave us some yeah. tips on how to work out from home. And oh. I started doing it. And actually, back issues that I have are starting to go away compared to lifting weights at the gym that I've done oh, for wow. years. And so there's there's actually some really good coming out of the lockdown, yes. believe it or not. So yes. Yes. I, encourage, yes. I encourage all of our listeners, maybe it's to finish that book you never never yes. uh, finished. Maybe you started or bought it and never took it off the shelf. But now maybe you have a little more time to do that. Family time. I have an eleven month year old and oh. just to be able to, you know, not get distracted with yeah. you know, anything, baseball games, sports, anything out there, can't go to the movies. So I'm spending extra time with him yeah. and it's just fantastic and the bonding that we're creating out of that. So there's a there's a lot of op- even though you can't go outside a lot of times to those things that you used to, you can't go catch a football game or whatever it is, go to the movies, but there's still a lot of opportunity just to grow with each other and, right. and establish that connection even during the pandemic. Did you see this one thing? Now, this was a positive reading I saw on, I think it was Facebook, but it just talked about as your kids, I now my kids are a little older, 22 and uh, 18, but it was saying how, you know, as you reflect on this with your kids that maybe were, you know, whatever age at this time, but like 10 years from now, and you're talking about this and they say, hey, do you remember... You know, you you might say, do you remember the layoffs? Do you remember the shortage of toilet paper? Do you remember right. you know, the, the great anxiety? toilet paper pandemic right. of oh 2020? God. What was that about? What was that about? But the shortage, you know, the um, anxiety, the depression, you know, all these things. And then the, your kids say, no, we remember you were home more. We remember how you played games. We remember the family dinners. Oh, you know, and so it's just, yep, it's just, you know, our perceptions. And it, I do think it's up for those of us who are parents. This will get me emotional, but you know, if you think parents are in a difficult spot, we, you know, our agency or a lot of, some of the work we do is with families who they struggle, you know, they struggle. Some have just got their children back or are trying to get their children back. And so it's difficult sometimes, you know, and now we're asking them to, to maybe do their kids education with them and being home all day with your kids is hard on a good day sometimes. <laughs> so it is about trying to stay healthy as a parent as well right now, because your kids are looking to you. And they love you, and they're very forgiving, very forgiving. It's, it is about the perception that we're giving to our children. And so trying to stay as positive as you can, and it's not, it's not all good right now. It's not. But it's about just doing today. You know, let's just do today. And hopefully the people were coming up with something out there that's going to make the numbers less or whatever that needs to look like, you know. But, you know, being available to our kids, trying to be mindful of the present moment that we're in. That's fantastic. And we talked before we started recording today, that old serenity prayer thing, accepting mm-hmm. the things I can't change. Yep. That's a powerful tool just to keep our peace in all this. Yes. Yes. And another thing I like to talk about just briefly is I noticed in my own life, there's always a handful of things that could go wrong. Something needs fixed in the house or the oh, car's yeah. having an issue or whatever. You got an unexpected expense come in on tax time, whatever that case may be. There's Mm -hmm. always something negative to dwell upon. And it's not that those things aren't significant. It's just saying the more you focus on those things, it seems the more that peace you begin to lose. I liken it to emotional money. I tell people all the time, they say, oh, you know, I feel powerless. And I'm like, is that real or is that something you're perceiving? Mm -hmm. And, And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, if your emotions were money and everyone that made you upset or everything that went wrong or every thought that you had that was negative, would you hand that person 20 bucks? Would you give that thought $20 and say, thank you, sir, may have another or whatever the case would be? Right, would, would, right. would you think of your emotions like money? Every time that thing got stirred up and you gave it to them, how much is going to be left for you at the end of the day for you and your right. family? And they're like, nothing. I'd be bankrupt. And we're like, so is that feeling of powerlessness real 
or is it something that you're just giving your emotional way to other things that maybe don't deserve that time? And a lot of people come through that and they're like, I never looked at it at that point. And they started going through the process of how we process this stuff. But in regards to all that, there may be a handful of things that's real negative going on. Most of us have those, but we also have maybe another handful or two handfuls of good things that's going on. Right. right. I may yeah. have lost my job, but unemployment's there, a safety net's yeah. there, or, you know, yes. it, it may be hard to go through this, but I get to spend more time with my kids and, right. you know, all these different things that we could look at. And the more we focus on the positive, it seems like our emotions tend to follow our thoughts. Yes. And there is also lots of good theories on that that's proven, right? That people want to use their time to get on this, <laughs> their phones and look it up. But the more time we spend literally like looking at our blessings and the things that are going well, the less depressed, the less anxious that we are. Because you can't do both at the same time, right? You can't feel good and bad usually at the same time. Right. So right. and you're focusing on your, your blessings and the positives going on. And I try to do that even sometimes in my drive in to work. And you just notice the difference in your mood, you know, as you're doing that. And I, I work in the jail as well with a group that I do. And I'm always just amazed because we'll go around and sometimes do the blessed things. And, you know, the girls in there are so good and, and they'll come up with blessings in there. We talk about how there are many people outside the jail that feel captive to life, even before COVID, you know. Oh, absolutely. And there are girls in jail who feel freer because they found, you know, some freedom because sometimes they're free from their addiction at that time. They're finding strength. They're free from some relationships that were not good inside. And I think about people that I know that are hostage, you know, to a lot of life circumstances outside of jail that have never been in, you know, held in bars. So I do think it is a matter of what you tell yourself. So changing your thoughts, change everything. And we always seem to forget, even though we see it on posters and memes all over the place, movies always have this theme of light breaking through the darkness. You Mm -hmm. know, you see this dark moment of life. You know, some people call that the shadow of death, but then there's this light that breaks forth the clouds and it's like, listen, it looks bad, but actually this may have been a good thing for us. So that's a real powerful thing that you said there. So Jennifer, if there's just one thing that you would tell individuals, listen, this is what I'm seeing hearing. If you could just get this one thing through this time, it's going to help you out so much. What would that one thing be? Well, I think we talked about it a little bit already. It's just to make sure that the information that you have Regarding the virus, regarding COVID-19 is factual. You stay up to date on, you know, what the directives are from the people that are experts in the area, what we're being asked to do, that we follow that to the best of our ability, that we make sure, you know, people in our care that we're in charge of in our homes, our minors or whatever, our children, that, you know, they're doing that. And that's really it, right? Make sure it's factual. Make sure that we remember that we're only in charge of ourselves. And then the rest, we do our self-care. We take care of ourselves. We get our good sleep. We eat well. We find the things that we can find enjoyment in. We even maybe, you know, have a journal. You know, one of our therapists is encouraging the, the kids, the, the teenagers, keep a journal this time. We're going through history, you know. These will be things you're going to talk to your children about when, you know, they have children. But uh, do those things that help you find the blessings. I, I pulled into my drive the other day when this all started and now I'll get emotional probably, but the tulips were starting to grow. And I thought they know something we don't know. They didn't get the memo. The COVID's out. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're still growing. And I was thinking about that the other day because I like to write poems. And I was going to try to put one to this is that we're going to grow through this. And unfortunately, not everyone is going to be okay. But the tulips know things we don't know, right? Is that it's going to be okay because the flowers are still going to grow. The birds are still singing and the sun's still coming up. 
That's a powerful way of saying it right there. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. And it's going it, it takes me back to the last thing. You you mentioned collective healing. You know, mm-hmm. I uh, was talking to some colleagues at the Porch County Health Department. We work a lot together and we just had the side conversation of, you know what? As I go on social media and I'm looking at the news, everything is stressful. There's very little hope. And I, I just told them, I said, because they're in the epic center of this and communicating what's going on. And I just said, you know, we really need some voices of hope. You know, it's one thing to prevent and I, I I love prevention, but we also need, you know, like with kids, you don't just tell them what not to do. You tell them what to do, what to be, what you can be and allow right. them to begin to dream and let them begin to formulate that. And the communication out there is getting overpowered with all this hysteria negativity. I told them, I was like, guys. Yeah. We need to raise up some voices of hope out there that really just starts to not just bring hope, but some clarity of how do we navigate to this for people yeah. to take it very seriously. Yes. Practice yes. all the social distancing, washing the hands, yep. everything that we're yep. doing. Yep. Listen to those in authority that really know what they're doing more than the rest of us, like the CDC right. and all these take their advice. Yes. But right. in the midst of all that, we need some voices of hope to kind of rise up and let's get some vision of how to get through this right. and your Still collective, win. your collective <laughs> healing was just a powerful thing. So if yep. you could tell our society, it'd be great if all society listen to this podcast, but they're probably not going to, but for those <laughs> who will, if we could see the message about collective healing, what would you tell our society we need to be doing Let's just find ways to continue to connect. Like you were saying, like social distancing does not mean a disconnect. So let's find ways to come together, whether that be the sewing of the mask or the keeping the eye out for the neighbor or making sure that people around you are being taken care of or dropping off, you know, the groceries for the elderly person because, you know, they can't go to the store. I mean, even just doing what you need to do for your own family. You know, like, let's just continue to try to come together, you know, bringing the truth to people who be overwhelmed by anxiety. I have somebody in my own family and obviously a lot of anxiety and worry, but I think it's the the um, inaccuracies, you know, that are really because of the anxiety they are taking over, you know, and just, you know, trying to be a voice of truth of what's going on and uh, whatever your higher power may be, remembering that as well. So just, you know, trying to come together. I think it's easy to say, we'll get through this. We'll get through this together. But but have some action behind it. You know, let's not be about just the words, but let's be the hands and feet and let's let's do let's do it and not just talk about it. So, Jennifer, thanks so much for coming. You said some powerful things. I can't wait for our listeners to hear this. If anyone heard this today, they want to reach out to you. How can they get a hold of you or the agency to get some services they may be interested in? I think the best way we would love for you to call us, it is Family Community Services, and our number is 330-677-4124, and Briani or Linda would be answering the phones for you, and we can get you scheduled right now. As I think I kind of talked about, is uh, our clinicians are all doing telehealth, so we're operating remotely, but as soon as we're all, you know, this is all stable again, we're going to be having our office space and home-based services, and obviously they'll be they'll be impacted, you know, regarding the COVID or just, you know, all the other things that go on in life. So we would then resume our office and home-based services. So we could talk about that at that time, but we'd be more than happy to provide services through telehealth for anybody that would want to reach out to us. So again, the number is 330 Right. And your guys' office is right on Goggler, right in downtown Kent. It's actually pretty easy to find. And also, the agency has a website at FCS, F is in family, C is in community, S is in services, serves, FCS serves 
org. So you can find their information on there with other programs. So check that out for sure. Again, thanks for coming. I appreciate it so much. I actually hope to have you back in the future to talk more about these things. I think it's I such a... Such a need right now, and especially out in employers in the area and just the general public at large. This is stuff we should be talking about and shouldn't be stuck in our social service world. This is stuff that people need to be here and that plain language and that powerful language like collective healing. I'm going to do my best to get the word about. So thank you so much. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn up to a 4% Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.wordpress.com. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.